Sometimes faith can feel as cold as winter, and it can look as dark as winter too. I grew up in the cold in Wisconsin, so I understand being physically cold. But I also understand being spiritually cold, feeling distant from God because of depression, because of sickness, because of friends dying. I feel distance from God often, and I used to fight those feelings, but now I embrace them, and I sit with them. Winter Faith has become my new home. So I created the Winter Faith Podcast because sometimes faith feels like winter. Hi, welcome to the episode this week. This is episode 143 with my friend and author, Sally Gary. Sally Gary has been on the podcast before. She has a new book called Affirming, a memoir about faith, sexuality, and staying in church. Her first book was called Loves God Likes Girls uh, that came out in 2013. So this is an episode with my friend and author, Sally Gary, about her journey with sexuality and her journey with faith. Um, really encourage you to check out centerpiece.net. That is her 5013C nonprofit out of Texas. So um, support the work. Um, see what you think of this episode. Um, buy her book. And I think she has a lot of wisdom and a lot of grace. So I hope you enjoy this episode with my friend, Sally Gary. Welcome. All right. Welcome to the show today. I'm joined by my friend, Sally Gary. Sally, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Andy. Thanks Great. for having me on. Yeah, thank you. So you've um, been on the show um, before a couple of years ago, and since then you've written a new book called yes. Affirming that yes. I have a copy yes. of here. Yes, and my, my shameless plug. Yes, you probably even have a signed copy. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, But yeah, I'm really grateful for you taking time today. And I guess my first question is to just um, tell us about the reception of the book um, so far. You know, it's been overwhelmingly positive. Uh, we uh, had just uh, an amazing uh, amount of sales, you know, within the first uh, couple of months of it coming out. And honestly, I don't keep up with numbers like that, but I've, I've received uh, messages from people uh, sharing how that had helped them, that they had shared it. You know, I think the sweetest story uh, was from uh, a man who had been estranged from uh, his parents for a significant period of time for, for years after mm -hmm. he married his, his now husband. And he said when he read the book, um, he automatically sent a copy to his mom who lives in another country and she received it and read it in one sitting overnight and mm -hmm. called him the next morning and just cried and cried and cried and asked uh, his forgiveness and uh, said that she understood so much uh, 
now that she didn't understand before. And so if we didn't write the book for anybody, but that family, mm-hmm. that uh, mom and son, oh my goodness, it was worth it all for that. That's a beautiful story. Yeah. And I'm sure it's not the only, the only family no. um, that read this book. And I know um, we got to participate in your book club that that you did yeah which was really yeah. fun do you yeah. think you'll do more book clubs like that or you know I I have been thinking about that because people have asked that was uh that was a fun thing and it yeah. gives people an opportunity to read through material and and discuss and I don't know about uh, how many other people are like this but I learned things by talking so mm-hmm. it's not just the reading, it's the being able to discuss it and talk about it that helps me to process. So I think we'll do something in the future um, sooner than later. Uh, I don't know what that book will be. I'm open for your suggestions. <laughs> well, I just I just think I'm, I'm like you. I mean, I have a podcast. So like my whole educational journey the last four years is just me talking and it probably was before anyways but that's you know that's how I process but I love reading books with other people you know we do that in school all the time um you know as as kids high schoolers college you know and you miss that and I know book you know there are book clubs I could go to it's not like it doesn't happen but I just think there's something special about reading together with people and um, yeah. I even think about like the early church, like getting a letter from Paul. Oh, yeah. Reading it together. Yeah, um, exactly. So and then <clears throat> I guess um, another um, quick question is when does your movie come out on Netflix? Do you have any deal that you're working? <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. You know, honestly, uh, I talked to Jordan earlier this week. Uh, our mm-hmm. um producer yeah and, and he is he has submitted it to amazon uh okay. if they would pick it up on amazon prime yeah. i don't i don't know but we're we're trying and we're hopeful that it um you know could be picked up on on something like amazon or netflix but mm-hmm. i don't know we'll oh it. it's it's impossible you never can predict that stuff I mean, I, it's really hard to predict. I just know I really enjoyed watching it when you had it for the, the retreat. And yeah. Um, yeah, I'm just I'm excited to be able to, to share that and watch that again. And um, yeah. so, yeah, you know, if it doesn't make Netflix, we'll still be able to buy it somewhere, I'm sure. That's so. well, <laughs> listen, if if it doesn't get picked up by one of those venues, we'll put it up on our website and, yeah. and make it available there. Yeah. Yeah, I've had um, a couple of other guests that had made movies before and they got it on Amazon and then they took it yeah. off Amazon and it can just, yeah, I think it's really hard to predict. And I thought their movie was phenomenal, oh. um, but you just, it's really hard to predict. Yeah, so, you never know. Um, you never know. But one of the things that I've always admired about you and, and this book is, is um, an example of that is just how you've been able to be so um, gracious despite some really difficult um, difficult times. And when I think about like my podcast talking about God, grief, and emotional growth, just reading your story, and we've kind of gone through your whole story before earlier on the podcast, but 
you're so um, gracious, I think, with your time and with people and even people that, you know, maybe have have hurt you in the past. And I'm wondering how, like, where where did that come from? Where do you feel like you were just able and taught to be so gracious um, to people? Mm. I, I certainly would have to um, give any credit to my mom and dad, first and foremost. Yeah. Um, to my mom, especially, um, and her both teaching me and, and modeling uh, forgiveness. Mm. You know, I grew up with some um, difficult moments uh, with my dad uh, early on and even into my adulthood. And, and my dad and I, to his credit, have have worked through a lot of that. I wrote a lot about that journey in, in my first book, Loves God Likes Girls. But I think um, what I can take away from that experience now in my adult life is, is the, the need, the benefit, <clears throat> the joy of, of forgiveness and being able to forgive and, and move past. And forgiveness doesn't always have to mean, you know, that you are completely reconciled to uh, the, the relationship as it existed before, but to, to be at peace, to be able to wish someone well, regardless of how they've responded to you. I mean, that's, uh, that's the essence of, of Christianity. That's the, the radical uh, love and hospitality of Jesus that we see uh, exhibited in all uh, the stories of, of Jesus's life in the Gospels. It's, mm -hmm. it's about being able to forgive and, and uh, move, move past uh, whatever hurt has, has been there. So uh, yeah, my parents taught me, uh, they taught me about Jesus. And, and when you continue to try to um, follow the life of, of Jesus and model that in your own, uh, it, it has to include uh, being forgiving. And that's a lot easier said than done. Sure, Sometimes sure. It's, it's, uh, it's really hard. Um, I certainly have have my moments of uh, ranting and raving uh, in private, um, and I think it's it's sometimes depending on the wounds, it's a it's a daily process where mm -hmm. you just say, "Help me, help me to forgive again today. Uh, yeah. Help me to get there today. Not there yet, Lord. Help me, help me to uh, have that." that spirit and that desire even to forgive. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's an ongoing process sometimes. Yeah, day by day. And yeah, it's just almost moment by moment sometimes, at least with certain people in my life, I feel like it's moment yes. by moment. Um, <laughs> yeah. You talk about um, the, the gift of church when it's at its best. I'm reading your words. The gift of the church when it's at its best is its ability to create a communal sense of belonging with no strings attached. Caring community can bring healing. This is especially true when people have a hard and painful experiences with truth. 
only the balm of Gilead can heal those kinds of wounds. Some wounds will take a long, long time to heal. And I believe God has called upon us to initiate the process and be patient, um, to love and befriend with no expectations. Um, and then you, you talk about kind of like the power of food. And so you talk mm-hmm. about this idea of just dinner. I know we've mm-hmm. joked about just dessert. You know, that would, that would work really well in my home. Oh yeah. Just, just ice cream. Um, yes. so this idea of, you know, the gift of church and being together has also been closely tied to like meals, sharing meals. And I was wondering if you could talk about, talk about that. And you kind of list all the different cities, um, where you feel like this is or where this is happening too, which is, yeah. which is really powerful. Yeah. Well, it's so it's so interesting that you should mention that because night before last, uh, we had just dinner uh, in our home. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was the first time uh, that my wife Karen and I were able to host to- together. But we were we were able to do that, and we just had had the sweetest time. Uh, probably fifteen to twenty people were here. Uh, we're we're just bringing takeout right now. We're not doing the the full dinner. Still kind of easing back after the pandemic, yeah. but we watched uh, we watched the movie Pride that came out in 2014 uh, together, okay. and just had a just had a wonderful time. I, I think there is something very powerful about sitting down to a, a meal together when you share a meal. I mean, look at all the times that Jesus was uh, eating, uh, celebrating, right. you know, at, at a, a dinner uh, with, with the Pharisees, with uh, the woman who came and washed his, his feet with her tears, who was uh, uh, known to be a woman of ill repute. Um, mm. and, and yet he was able to... Uh, create community there together. I mean, uh, one of the stories that we have after he was, was raised to life, uh, he's fixing breakfast on the beach. I was thinking he cooks breakfast, doesn't he? Yeah. (laughs) He fixes, he fixes fish for breakfast for the disciples. You know, he tends to that very human need, um, I, I just love that uh, about yeah. him, and and I think that's that's what we're called to emulate. And there's nothing like sitting around a, a table and sharing stories. You know, you can get into some really good conversation if if you're sharing a meal together. Uh, that table fellowship. So right. that's what just dinner is all about. And Andy, you would you would have loved about two years ago during the summer we had just ice cream uh for for one of our just dinner celebrations and it was wonderful we were all Mm -hmm. hyper as can be after but we didn't care (laughs) yeah that is great and well you know i just think the family aspect of bringing kids kids Mm -hmm. you know can be picky i guess adults can be picky too Mm -hmm. but you know with with ice cream it just it brings everybody together so yeah um i guess changing gears a little bit when you're going through um 
you've talked about this a little bit, but kind of like this idea of the the shame that um, same sex attraction can can bring and that shame, especially for young people, young people who feel alone, who maybe feel abandoned from church. Um, and I know you speak about this a lot, but just when you are having conversations with people caught up in that that shame and hiding, what what is kind of your biggest message um, for those those kids? I think for my listeners, there's a lot that are 35 and younger, and they mm. don't feel that the church <clears throat> has ever been there for them. Um, I know that's something important to you because you talk about it quite quite a bit. At, at, it's yeah. towards the end of your book too about kind yeah. of the, the future generation. Well, my my word to any young person who is uh, wrestling with uh, questions of self-worth and, and uh, dealing with shame is that that is not from God. Mm. That is not from God at all. Um, the God I know is a loving God who loves us no matter what. And I would say uh, to the parents of any young person, to the church families, the church leaders of, of anyone who is having to wrestle with questions about their sexuality, uh, let's, let's look at scripture. Uh, let's go to Romans 8 and 38, that nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. There is nothing about us. There is nothing that we can do or say or think or feel that will separate us from the love of God. And that should be our message first and foremost. Um, I, I feel so strongly about that because the shame that we as, as people have created around this idea that uh, if you experience same-sex attraction, if you identify as gay or lesbian or queer, that um, you have no place within the body of Christ, that that is the absolute worst possible thing. That is, uh, that is a concept that is uh, created by, by people. That's not from God. That's not even scriptural. Um, so I would I would really uh, encourage anyone in in my age range to re-examine where that belief that we got that uh, this is something we can't talk about, that our sexuality is something that we need to be ashamed of. Um, those are those are human concepts. They are not from God. And so if you're listening and you're younger than me, and that's uh, the vast majority of you, um, you need to know that God loves you. He absolutely adores you. Look at all the passages of scripture that talk about us as his children, as God being uh, father and, and mother and uh, parent to us to us all and and that's in the very best sense yeah well i appreciate those words Sally. i just think it's you know being 
being a parent has been pretty tough the last year and a half to, you know, two years, I guess. And, um, you know, we get to, we have a lot of family time. A lot of us have been, um, you know, at home quite a bit with, you know, with school cancellations and daycare being, you know, shut down at any minute because of a, a COVID case and keeping everybody safe. And I think it has, it's been really good for a lot of families, but I know for families that don't have healthy relationships, I'm sure this year was really, really difficult. Mm. And so I'm just, and, and then you take away being able to go to church, you know, it's, it's, or just being able to be in community. And so much of um, both of us, our experiences with Church of Christ was so much about a loving community mm. and a loving community that can have, like, I, I, I know you were, um, a debate coach, which fits pretty good with being church of Christ as well. And, um, (laughs) unfortunately, yes. So, um, you know, I remember having discussions and kind of debate type things at our church growing up, but I thought it was pretty healthy. Like I knew we had both political parties represented at our church and that was a healthy thing, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, and just how, you know, how much we can learn from each other, even when we think differently. Um, oh, is, oh, yeah, is so important. And I feel like we've kind of lost that a little bit. Yeah. And, you know, I used to to talk with my students uh, when I was teaching at Abilene Christian about uh, what they thought of when they heard the word debate. And and we got the idea that that was something that was always negative, but but it doesn't have to be negative. It's when we lose the the respect and the sincere desire to learn from the other perspective, from the other person, to realize we're in dialogue with a a person who bears the image of God, and that this is our our fellow sibling uh, created by God. When we lose that, then debate can be this ugly thing. But when it it is truly, engaged in with a desire to understand where the other person is coming from and and to seek truth together uh, to realize that there may be more than one way to look at this and we just have never thought of it in that way that can be a really healthy and healing thing and I think I think faith communities not only can but should be about that uh, we've gotten the idea that, that we all have to think exactly alike on every specific thing. Yeah. And the truth is, we, we don't. <laughs> right. We never have. Right. And, and yet, um, we can still fellowship together. We can still love each other. We can still certainly sit on the same pew and pass communion trays when COVID is completely behind us. Mm-hmm. Um we can do that and and not um, feel like we have to agree on every little facet of of what we say we believe Mm -hmm. and specifically when you think about you know your title of the book is affirming you made um you know a big statement at the conference last year yeah i guess we're getting close to Yeah. yeah being coming up on that again and um, what was, you know, I'm sure there was a bunch of decisions that went into changing your, your view on, on your stance towards LGBT 
cute relationships and marriage specifically, but can you summarize a little bit? And I want people to go buy the book. So, you know, you don't spoil everything, <laughs> but maybe just some, some thought, um, stories or thoughts about, about what, what really changed your, your mind when it came to that. Well, and, and, you know, I think that's, that's the thought is that something happened just one point in time. Mm -hmm. I read something or I talked to somebody or uh, I, I met someone uh, and, and wanted to rationalize um, what I wanted to do. And that is, that is so not the case. And that's what I wrote about. I wrote mm -hmm. about the fact that this has been a lifelong process of, of studying scripture, of having such a, a reverence for scripture and its application to my life, that it was over a lifetime that I began to see a lot of things differently. You know, I tell a story about... Um, how when I was, was in college, a professor challenged uh, some of my early beliefs about communion. And, you know, I grew up in a tradition that was encouraged to uh, use scripture to find the right answers for things and to discover how uh, we were to worship, for instance, in a way that was pleasing to God. And so uh, we used scripture as proof texts a lot of times, and, and we found this verse that said this, and we could, we could know that this was the way we were to do communion, and this was the way we were to do music, and, and so on. And this professor challenged uh, my beliefs about how we were to do communion. I was just 19 years old, and I was listening to this former missionary from New Guinea tell about um, realizing that in New Guinea, there was no wheat. And so therefore there was no bread. There was no way to have unleavened bread, which we had discerned from scripture was the, the proper uh, way to celebrate the Lord's supper and fruit of the vine. You know, those words were specifically mentioned in scripture. And so we took that very literally. And yet these people didn't have vineyards and they didn't have uh, good old Welch's grape juice. Uh, they didn't have any, any wine that they produced there. And this was at a time before exported goods and imported goods. And so what do you do? These people just lost and, and, quote, going to hell because they can't fulfill those passages of scripture in the way that we very literally interpreted, interpreted them. I had to wrestle with that because at 19, at a, at a very young age, when we see things in more black and white terms, I had to begin to think differently about that and think about my my uh, perception of God as a loving God that was about what was on the inside of people and how they came to him to worship and to observe uh, such a, a pivotal moment as the Lord's Supper to really uh, be you know be upset that we didn't do it in the quote right way because we didn't have 
grape juice and un unleavened bread. I had to wrestle with that. Mm -hmm. So that's just one of the stories. People say, well, that doesn't have anything to do with sexuality. No, it doesn't at all. But it has everything to do with how we are able to see scripture. And, and I think that's, um, that was a, a, one of those pivotal moments. And I share lots of those moments over a lifetime. So I didn't mm -hmm. just, you know, turn on a switch and, and become affirming. That was a lifetime process of coming to see, um, see scripture differently in regard to sexuality. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think for so many of us, the, you know, how we use scripture can be pretty inconsistent. And mm -hmm. so I know there's a lot of good, your book included, but there's a lot of good resources <laughs> and books on, on just viewing scripture. And I'll put some of those in the, in the show notes. Um, another question I had is, um, what Andy, has... I'll, I'll do another shameless plug. Okay, go. I, I list a lot of the books that were influential uh, to me as, as well mm -hmm. in, in interpreting scripture. So that, that list of resources is in the book. Absolutely, absolutely. And so um, one of the guests that I have on my show is, is um, Karen Keene and some of her work that she's done on Bible um, use of scripture and sexuality too. So I know you know her as well. So what has marriage <laughs> taught you about yourself? You've been oh. married for not too long, but oh my goodness, what has about, marriage taught you so far? Yeah, we, uh, we got married in December in the midst of the pandemic. We are, are right. going to, to have a redo and uh, we wanted a, a church wedding. And so we're going to redo that in in December of this year, but the last six months have just been incredible. And Sally, the only child who lived by herself for decades is coming to realize just how incredibly selfish she is. <laughs> I can relate to that. <laughs> just how uh, bent on uh, doing things my way and having having things placed in the house just exactly where I wanted. And no, of course you do it this way and you load the dishwasher in this, in this manner. And how, how could you even possibly think of doing it any other way? So yeah, I've, yeah. I've learned a, a lot in that regard. I, I have learned uh, how beautiful it is to, uh, to have someone that thinks of, of you before they think of themselves and to be able to reciprocate that. And that's a, that's a big learning curve for me. I'll be honest. I, I'm an only kid mm -hmm. and I, I've never had to do that before in the way that I am learning to do it now, but it's, uh, it's such a joy. Karen is, is uh, just such a, a godly influence on me. And Karen's first thing when there is any kind of difficulty uh, is to, well, let's, let's just sit down right now and pray about that. And, and so we do. Mm. And um, that's what drew me to her in the first place, um, her love of scripture. She is, is such a scholar and I, I am learning all the time. She's been working on a, a new book on the mm -hmm. origins of the Bible. 
and we won't even get started. That's a conversation for another time because mm -hmm. uh, what I have learned about that in the process, and um, I, I, I can't say enough good. Yeah, that's well, it's so funny you bring up the the dishwasher and how to put things <laughs> in because that is a source of um, yeah we talk about that often in and my folding household. towels folding, folding towels. towels yes. Andy, there's only one way that oh you boy. fold towels. I'm sure I don't do it that way. Whatever, yeah. whatever your way is. Karen doesn't <laughs> do it that way either. <laughs> um, so what um, what brings peace to your life? That's one of, one of my questions I like to ask. Sometimes I say, what brings levity peace. to your life? Uh, my, my coffee cup in the morning certainly brings that peace. Is, wow, we didn't even plan that. <laughs> no, we didn't. <laughs> Uh, lots of things. Um, uh, my sweet little dog, Rudy, who sits in my lap in the mornings and uh, just uh, being able to sit with, with Karen on the couch in the evenings and, and read and not have to say a word. Hmm. Um, sitting outside on our deck and watching the squirrels, um, talking with my dear friend and pastor Pat Bills about any and everything, um, sitting at my mom's piano that we just moved uh, as my dad has, my dad's moved into a, an independent living facility and so we've moved things out of, of their home of 45 years and I have my mom's piano and there are times that I just have this overwhelming urge to sit down and I'll play old hymns I know mm -hmm. that's not what you wanted to hear from the good little church of Christ girl that I <laughs> I love that but um I love to just pick around and and pick out a tune and add chords to it and and be reminded, be reminded of all those gospel messages that were connected to the lyrics of those tunes. But because they're connected to a melody, they're they're more deeply embedded in my head and more importantly in my heart. Mm -hmm. And that has that has really and truly brought me a lot of peace lately. Wow, those some beautiful image. Are you a, a mindfulness meditation person at all? I am, I, I think that I have probably adult, uh, you know, onset ADHD, whatever it is. And so I don't know that, I don't know that I'm ever calm enough to be able to, to be mindful for very long, but uh -huh. there are, there are moments, uh, outside in, in nature is probably the best one for me to really mm -hmm. feel still my mind and uh listen mm -hmm. listen to god in those moments well you know those the images and just the examples especially the piano one really resonates mm -hmm. with me i um will sing old yeah i have like um a hymnal from from church back home or something and i'll sing those every once in a while basically just to myself or maybe to our two-year-old somebody who <laughs> wants to to hear them or doesn't have a choice i guess yeah. um 
And then my final question that I've asked you before, I think, is what makes you laugh? <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, dear friends, you know, mm -hmm. I, I could I could name them, but I won't. Uh, mm -hmm. I won't embarrass them. Uh, I have a former student who listens. Uh, well, he's out in California. Uh, I, I won't I won't throw him under the bus here, but uh -huh. he's probably the funniest guy I know and okay. just uh, cracks me up anytime I get to to spend time with him or talk to him. Uh, I, I love old uh, movies, you know, Young Frankenstein is, mm. is one of my favorites. So I have that kind of sense of humor. And dare I mention, as foul as it is in places, I love the movie Bridesmaids. You know, I have that, Karen tells me I have a, an adolescent boy sense of humor sometimes. So there's, <laughs> there's that. Um, but I, I do love, I love to laugh. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for taking some time to, you know, to promote your book, but just to, yeah, to come back on the show and talk a little bit. Yes, there it is. There it is. It's on Amazon. <laughs> so on Amazon and um, centerpiece.net. And yes. I know you guys are always doing work at Centerpiece. You guys have a oh, podcast. Yeah. And yeah. Um, yeah, really grateful for, for what you do, but also just enjoy you know, just asking random questions as well. You're a good person well, for that. So it's always a joy to talk to you, Andy. I love what you're doing. And uh, we support each other from uh, nearly coast to coast, not quite, but uh, close. Yeah. One of these days, I, I'm going to get out to North Carolina and maybe, maybe we can do this again live. What do you think? I would love to do that. I mean, I would yeah. love for you to come to our church or for us to go to another church or whatever that's kind of like what or the alamo is really close to hey. us like literally there's an alamo movie theater next to our church building oh i thought you were talking about the real alamo when you were going to come to texas <laughs> well i've never been there i do need to do that <laughs> but um but yeah alamo movie theater is literally right next to our church and so i had this idea of you know going to yes. church and then a showing of your movie do it let's do I it. I would love to. Yeah. I would love to do that also. Yeah, let's, that's one of my uh, dreams. So let's scheme about that. Shall okay. we? Okay. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That'll be good. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you, Andy. Thanks for listening to this show today, everybody. I just want to give a few shout outs. Today's music, the one and only Josh Cleveland, today's artwork in all the winter faith, artwork and digital design, Dominique Montaigne. The intro was done by Scarlet Fox, and I am just grateful to be creating and editing this podcast. My name is Andy Frazier. Find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at The Winter Faith Podcast. Subscribe, subscribe on all those platforms and also we are on patreon if you would like to support the show and also leave a review on itunes at the winter faith podcast thanks for listening and we will see you next week